Hello, Mike Check. Can people hear me okay? Hey, what's up, Paul? Thanks for coming oh, on. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Hey, guys. How's, how's it going? Doing? doing good. How are you guys? Awesome. Excellent. Excited to build a chat with the community about this uh, integration and whatever else is on the roadmap for ThorChain. Yeah, quite a few things are on the roadmap for sure. I actually have a, I have a couple questions for, for Edge too later on in the, in the yeah, chat. For sure. Fire away. Welcome to hear those questions. <laughs> Yeah, you guys really powered through that uh, that integration. So things are looking really good on on that front. Can't wait to we'll get some audience questions here, and we we got like you know we can ask some questions too beforehand. Uh, I'll just wait a minute. Yeah, to let people come into this space. I'll, here, let me let Edge up here as a co-host. Cool. And if anyone has questions, um, you can also just hit the. There's a chat button on the bottom right if you if you're on mobile, and it, it'll you can like post a reply to the space, and uh, we can see it and just ask the question if you don't want to come up on stage. Cool. If you want to invite me as a host as well, I'm happy to obviously get get a little more exposure. I, I can only, only do two. either Edge or or okay, you. No problem. <laughs> yeah. No problem. Edge's got bigger following, so that works. Are there limits on the number of? Uh, co-hosts that you're allowed to have yeah it looks like i can there can only be two co-hosts okay cool oh, for whatever reason. That. Not, not that that really makes a difference all, all it means is that that's whoever can just let people up on stage and moderate i guess yeah it could go to speaker if it makes a difference but i'm not sure that changes the exposure that should be good like i, I think if uh, people follow you they should get a notification that uh you're speaking in a, in a space and if, if you're in here uh make sure you retweet the um the space link and share it to other people so they know to hop in. All right, let's redo that real quick. So I guess real quick before we get into the, the edge stuff, uh, we should just mention the, like, uh, you know, the, the status of, of what's going on right now, like uh, trading and uh, LP actions are, are paused uh, for the moment. And that's, that's a result of uh, just a, a TSS incompatibility with one of the newest releases. So um, right now, LP actions and and trading are paused on Thorchain until enough uh, nodes are able to update to um, you know, to get get past those changes uh, to TSS. To, but right now, there's a huge outbound queue. I think there's about 300 outbound transactions waiting to get signed out. So uh, trade trading is paused. Kind of let that outbound queue process a little bit and uh, help those traders get their get get their funds and. You know, then then we're back to business as usual once the new update comes out and it's updated. Yeah, it's it's a bit tough to know exactly what what it was, but we think that it's we upgraded the uh, lib P2P library, which is basically like a uh, one of the libraries that the Thorchain kind of imports from an open source, you know, um, another community, another thing that's been around for I don't know, like probably almost ten years now. Um, we updated from like version I think it was like eleven to version twenty two or something like this. And there's something in in those changes that that seem to 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 make some reliability issues that we came with, can't really pinpoint because it's a lot of different changes. But um, we think reverting that change will will solve the issue. Yeah, and Chad, do you know uh, what that means for the AVAX rollout? Like we we know that uh, AVAX is supposed to be um, you know re-enabled after um, after this next churn, which is supposed to be tonight. But um, is that going to affect the churn at all or anything related? 
Did the AVAX roll out? Yeah. Um, most likely we'll probably have to, we don't actually, technically don't actually have to pause the churn. It just, we, would, we wouldn't want to launch. Um, in my personal opinion is that we wouldn't want to launch AVAX and then, then like have, you know, um, swaps be paused. <laughs> like <laughs> it's not really quite the, the launch experience we want, we want to be having. So we probably should pause uh, churning until uh, this problem is resolved and then we can resume, resume churning and then the network is instantly churn for that point. And then, you know, AVAX would be launched and people can start uh, swapping, trading, adding liquidity, all that kind of stuff. So you're saying like, let it get some stability and then you can, and then it'll, uh, you, when you re-enable, it'll be like right away, like not have to wait for the scheduling or whatever. Yeah. So like one of the things how the network works is that it, it's right now it's set to churn like every seven days. And so um, it actually checks every hour and it says, Hey, when's the last time we churned? Is it more than a week ago? Then let's just go ahead and uh, try now. So if we don't churn within seven days, the network just starts to churn, uh, attempt to churn like every hour. So if we just pause the churning temporarily, you know, and it's been like eight days instead of seven or whatever, it wouldn't wait for another six days or some number. It would just start churning immediately. Sweet, sweet. So, um, yeah, so it seems like AVAX will probably be delayed slightly. So apologies to anyone that was waiting on that. Um, you know, just the, these things, these things come up. So, uh, you need the new update to come out and notice update to the new update to roll back the TSS changes to get back to the performance where we were, uh, you know, for the past couple months and things are, things are doing pretty well. So, yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk about Ed- Edgewall a little bit. Um, Paul, do you want to introduce yourself and, uh, you know, to, like explain uh, what Edgewall it is? Yeah, I'll try to give hopefully uh, no more than a couple of minute quick description. So uh, I'm Paul Poy. I'm CEO and co-founder of Edge. Um, Edge is a self-custody. We, you know, our Twitter handle says Edge Wallet, but I like to kind of give it a bit more detail because, you know, a wallet really is an ambiguous term now. Crypto made a wallet um, mean everything from a piece of paper, a USB stick to a mobile app to a bank account. Some bank accounts are called wallets. So what are we? We're a self-custody app that lets people buy, sell, and trade crypto. Um, either from fiat to fiat or crypto to crypto. Uh, we've incorporated multiple different exchanges, almost like 16 or 17 integrated in the app so that people have access from around the world with dozens of different, if not hundreds of different cryptos. And of course, one of our biggest uh, fundamental initiatives is providing uh, a strong sense of censorship resistance, privacy, and autonomy. Um, and ThorChain really, really fits well into that initiative, um, being uh the first and to my understanding only really widely used cross-chain decks um, it's kind of like the holy grail that we've been wanting to be able to replace or at least augment the existing centralized swap providers and it nicely augments that within our app so really excited about the uh the integration um some things many people say well okay well there's a whole bunch of apps that let you do that what's some of the the, the differentiators in edge and one of our biggest differentiators is key management we fundamentally think web three should feel like web two and, and that's what we've built so when people you know go and try edge and i invite anyone obviously listening to give it a try and send us feedback you'll notice that although it's self-custody you don't actually have to write down your key there's no writing down 12 or 24 words which is a risky process and that that frequently gets compromised or people lose that backup with Edge, you create what just feels like an account, log into your account, switch phones, just log in on another device. You're also automatically protected with two-factor authentication, and it's even password recoverable, although that does require a setup. So really bringing that familiarity of a Web2 type of financial apps 
bringing that into the crypto space has been our initiative so that people get the benefits um, of self-custody without really jumping through the additional hoops that most apps provide. Um, that's a good little summary, but of course, there's a lot of nuance in what we do, what we build. Um, and once again, the integration with our chain, super aligned with what we want to bring to our user base. Yeah, yeah. Same same from this end as well. Um, just the, the alignment of just the values of Edge Wallet and, and ThorChain are definitely there. And uh, it, you, you pointed out something that I also noticed uh, with, Ed, with Edge is that you guys, like, I mean, just the Twitter handle is Edge Wallet, but um, you don't, you know, in all your materials on the website and things like that, you don't refer to yourselves as Edge Wallet. It's just Edge. I, you know, a, it's because it's not just a wallet. You, you offer swap services and uh, obviously like non-custodial wallet services. Uh, is there anything else that that's in the that I'm missing from like features that are offered within the wallet? Do, do you do things with other um, you know DeFi protocols or decentralized services? I'm glad you asked because that actually is a huge initiative of ours over the over this year and going into next is as a uh, is integrating much tighter DeFi. As opposed to what people use today, which is, for example, like a MetaMask type of app, uh, browser extension, or a signing app such as Wallet Connect, which is similar in other chains as well, which has similar equivalents in other chains. And that experience requires you to have a separate wallet app that has the keys for signing versus the decentralized app or the DAP that usually runs on a website. I think like Aave, Uniswap. Um, and that experience, while it's great for MVP, Right? It's great to get your protocol rolled out and get um, an idea of the demand for that protocol, iron out some bugs. It's a terrible user experience. I, I'm a fan of DeFi, but I really hate that user experience. Having to go back and forth between the apps to sign, to sign multiple transactions when really you just want to do one thing is pretty tedious. So one of the things we're doing in Edge is taking certain DeFi protocols that we find high value, integrating it directly inside of Edge and making it as much of a one-step operation as possible. Um, one example of this is providing liquidity, which I think there was someone on Twitter that asked, hey, when when will I be able to provide liquidity on ThorChain through Edge? And that's definitely something we want to be able to provide going forward. But right now we have a Uniswap V2 clone on the Phantom Network, specifically TombSwap. And we let people provide liquidity, dual asset liquidity, basically stake two tokens onto the, onto the DEX, receive the LP token from that, and then automatically stake that on a pool for additional yield all in one step. And if you tried to do that, you'd end up connecting to two different dApps, signing about one, two, three, four, four or five different transactions, which will take you maybe like five minutes to do, waiting for a confirmation in between each step. In Edge, it's one step, right? You just specify how much liquidity you want to provide, slide to confirm, and you're done. Those are the type of things that we really want to drive forward to the ecosystem to make buttery smooth. And an announcement we made last week is integration of the Aave protocol inside of Edge so that people can take out a loan using Bitcoin and turn that directly into dollars in the bank account. So it's not selling your Bitcoin, it's taking out a loan, collateralized with Bitcoin, um, receiving a stable coin, which automatically goes into your bank account in literally one step. Um, these are the kind of things that definitely take a lot of steps. Normally, you'd have to do a swap from Bitcoin to wrapped. Um, that automatically happens through swap providers, including ThorChain. So this is great. ThorChain actually augments um, that entire user flow for us to go from Bitcoin to wrapped, automatically deposit the wrapped into Aave, automatically take out the loan with a stable coin, and then automatically sell that to the bank account. Once again, all in one step. So glad you asked that question. We definitely do more than just buy, sell, and trade. Um, big initiative being, once again, 
more financial services, but all self-custody, all pure DeFi. There's kind of multiple transactions being signed on the back end. Like you're somehow with that first signature, like authorizing additional steps. Like how does that kind of work yeah. behind the scenes? Yeah. So what we're doing is we're actually doing the very first step right off the bat, right? As if we were just as if the user was doing that first operation, which is usually the swap. So think about taking out a loan, what it would take. First thing you have to do is swap Bitcoin for wrap. That we can issue immediately right off the right off the bat. Problem is that could take a while. Right, especially if it's not using Thorchain is actually quite quick. As soon as you get a confirmation, you know funds show up on the other end. Um, with some other swap providers, it might wait for multiple confirmations, or they've got to do an actual centralized exchange operation. So it could take minutes to hours. What we then do is actually create signed transactions for all of the smart contract operations, but we don't broadcast them. Instead, push put them onto what we call like an action node, and it sits there waiting for the funds to arrive. So, for example, the wrap Bitcoin. We wait for the wrapped Bitcoin to arrive at the user's address. Once it hits that, then it goes and broadcasts the the, uh, the additional transactions necessary to take out the loan and settle the funds back into the bank account. And all of that together is what we effectively need to do to give people the user experience of CFI. That is our goal. We want people to get the experience that they get out of a BlockFire, Celsius, or any of the God-forbidden services that obviously have compromised users' funds. Um, give them that user experience without the without the loss of funds. Because we're connecting them directly to DeFi. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I mean, that's, this has kind of been the the vision that we've been talking about with Thorchain for for years now. You know, like ab- abstracting these things away um, behind really simplified front ends. And I think you guys are a great example of that. And I'm curious if you have thoughts on the upcoming single sided liquidity because it feels like that's going to be kind of the the mega feature we've been waiting for for so long to like just have yield on you know just Bitcoin or just Atom, you know, whatever. And um, yeah, you know, that that really fits with your kind of ethos of the app of just simplicity, not having to manage keys. So curious if you have thoughts on that. So I'm, I'm honestly, I'm going to jokingly say that I'm a slightly torn because number one, you guys are actually making it incredibly easy for people to provide liquidity and earn yield. At the same time, that actually um, makes some of the work that we've put in and a lot of the UI we built to provide double asset liquidity less relevant. <laughs> so in a way, we become a little bit less competitive in that regard. But I say that jokingly, because I'm all about just simply making it as buttery smooth to the end user and driving broader adoption. So yes, being able to provide single asset liquidity is one that would be super exciting for us to roll out because you're right, it's just so much easier than thinking, oh, I've got Bitcoin, oh, I've got to swap it for, for Rune and stake both of them at the same time in equal dollar amounts, which is thing we have to do right now for um, the single chain DEXs that are primarily clones of Uniswap V2. Uh, where we have to either the user has to have both both sides of the pool, and they have to stake an equivalent dollar amount. So I'm super excited about it. Can't wait for it to roll out, and it's something that we definitely would uh, like to support in short order. I'm curious, like you mentioned before, you, you integrate into Ave, and, and I'm assuming it might integrate into more like Compound and a handful of others. And so, like, would you? From a UI perspective, just out of curiosity, of like, would you just say, "Oh, hey, here's you know three or four different you know loans you can take out of your Bitcoin, uh, so forth and so on"? Here are the different rates, or would you just like abstract away the protocols from behind it and just say, "Hey, here's like four loans. Here's the attributes of those four loans, the interest rates, like blah blah blah, those things," and then let the, the user select what they wanted, or do you gonna let them select based upon what the underlying protocol is? So that's an amazing question that has crossed our path multiple times. And this is probably something I'd love to hear feedback from the community on. But admittedly, I think our community is in a echo chamber. 
So if I were to ask everybody on this Twitter spaces right now what they thought about, hey, do you want to be able to select all the different um, loan options? Um, you know, what stable coin do you want to receive? Um, like which protocol do you want to put it on? Do you want to put it on ETH? Do you want to put it on Polygon? Um, do you want to put it on Rootstock? Um, I'm guessing most people will want that choice. Most people listening to this podcast will, will probably want that choice. Although if you think about it, look at the more broadly adopted loan products. They're usually on the centralized services where there really isn't much of a choice. You're just using that service. Here's the interest rate you're going to get. You settle it to a bank. So while I'm going to guess most people listening are going to be opposed to this answer, I'm going to say that our goal is to abstract all of that away, provide the protocol that best suits what they're trying to do. And so for our launch, we're currently only supporting Bitcoin to dollars. <clears throat> we'll probably expand that to ETH you know, in short order. But for now, Bitcoin to dollars. Um, only supporting Aave, and we're only supporting, at least for new loans, um, ETH. Now, we want to be able to support Polygon because obviously it's much cheaper fees, but some of the limitations are liquidity. Liquidity can be really poor on Polygon, especially converting Bitcoin into wrapped Bitcoin is incredibly difficult. You have to go through a bunch of bridges. I would love for Thorchain to solve this problem for us, where we could support Bitcoin mainnet into wrapped Bitcoin on Polygon with good liquidity and low slippage. Um, that's actually a big hurdle for us. And they're also limited by what we can settle out into the bank account. So if we provide all of the different options, that could leave a user stuck with a stable coin that they can't get into a bank account, which frequently is why you're taking out the loan. Right? You want to use your Bitcoin, but you don't want to sell it. Um, so in the end of the day, we're likely going to restrict the options. People won't have the full, they won't have the full selection that they may have in Aave, but the selection that they will have will give them end-to-end -end great buttery smooth experience going from you know mainnet asset directly settled into a way that they can use that asset in the real world and part of that's kind of the beauty of these DeFi protocols right is that you guys can implement it in a way that makes sense for your users then Aave can have their own interface that uh you know all, all using the same back end but everyone can create their own front end that tailors the experience to who's actually using the, the app so like i i think that's that's actually a, a great answer uh because like you guys know what um what like an edge user uh would want like people want uh something that that's easy to use something that they can use on their on their mobile device right and uh you know going to the ave dap on on your computer is it's a totally different experience than using it on your phone so i think like abstracting that away from the user that's a that's a great answer um so right. <laughs> I, I have a question about um, how you guys like, first uh, learned about ThorChain and what made you want to integrate it into Edge Wallet. Yes, we learned about ThorChain, gosh, what, two, three years ago? Um, has it been around for three years? Maybe, yeah, at least two years ago. And uh, it felt like, wow, this is potentially the holy grail of what we're looking for in you know, censorship-resistant, no KYC swap. Admittedly, at first, I didn't quite understand it. I'll, I'll give a tiny criticism that when I looked at the website about two or three years ago, I couldn't quite understand exactly what it was, um, and I needed a little bit of description. I was also close with some of the folks from uh, from Shapeshift. Shape, Shapeshift was one of our, our first integration partners at the time when they had you know no KYC swaps. Um, I've known Michael Perklin for years from since before he was with uh, uh, with Shapeshift. And he heavily promoted, hey, guys, watch out for this protocol. This is going to be an amazing one. And so I just kept my eyes on it. And I know we had talked with a team a year ago. Um, and they gave us some insights into, the, into how the protocol works. And I think that was a, the first aha moment because the thing that I had gleaned from that conversation 
uh, about a year ago was the simplicity of the protocol, meaning there, uh, with the exception of sending tokens on Ethereum or EVM chains, like if I wanted to swap Bitcoin for anything else, the simplicity of simply, hey, just put this little bit of data in an upturn, and that's it. And, you know, like I know calculating what the limits are, how much you're going to receive, that has proven to be a bit of a challenge. But how you actually execute a swap was almost akin to what you would do with very centralized API you know, swap providers. And I think that's probably in the back of the mind of the original ThorChain architecture. It's like, hey, let's, let's make this mirror what it feels like to use you know, a change now, a change hero, a change leader, a shapeshift. And I think it, they've done as good of a job as possible with the limitations of, of cryptocurrencies and blockchains to really mimic that, that user experience. And that was what kind of got me excited. I'm like, oh, it, it's relatively straightforward conceptually. So do you have a similar thought process as to how you explain like abstracting away the loans entirely, like what's happening? Is that kind of the intention with using ThorChain and swap providers? Like the the user just won't even have to understand at all what's happening on the back end, like just completely hide that? Yeah, that's actually our end goal is uh, for somebody that, for example, you take a pure Bitcoiner, right? Someone that doesn't want to touch any other cryptos. They don't necessarily have to touch anything else. We'll take their Bitcoin, swap it for a little bit of ETH to pay for fees, swap it for uh, wrap Bitcoin. Um Sometimes that'll actually go through ThorChain if it's got good liquidity and low spreads, right? The app will automatically find um, uh, low, low spread options. Um, and then when that wrap Bitcoin and ETH hits, it'll automatically take out the loan. So yeah, that is our goal is to really hide um, everything going on in the back end. And really, if you were to launch the old, once again, BlockFi Celsius app and take out a loan, that's the experience we're looking for. Or no one knows what's going on in the back end of Celsius and BlockFi and and unfortunately, literally nobody knows, not even the developers. Whereas at least in the case of DeFi, you know, the developers, the protocol users, they know what's going on in the back end. But to the end user, they don't need to know uh, that complexity. We can hide it from them. And that is a huge challenge. Abstracting tech is one of the both biggest challenges in technology when you abstract it to the end user, but also the thing that drives the hockey stick of adoption. And I like I liken that to, for example, like early Apple computers that... Like the early, not the early Apple IIs, they did not extract, uh, ex- they did not hide the tech that well, but the early Macs did. And that's when you got this hockey stick of adoption by just the laymans, the people that didn't want to write, you know, uh, command line uh, scripts and punch in the keyboard just to launch an app. And I came from that era, like, you know, Commodore 64, Apple II, where you put a disk in the drive and you, you type in maybe a dozen to two dozen characters just to run your app. And adoption, decent, but it was still that early adopter phase. It was the tech geeks. Now, out comes the Mac where you don't see any of that. There's an icon, you click, you drag it, double-click to launch. And now comes the, the 90% adoption. And that's fundamentally where we're sitting. You know, We're going to um, abstract things. You're not going to be able to do everything that you could you know, with command line, but you'll be able to appeal to far broader people than you could otherwise. Uh, let me uh, make a suggestion for you. Um, sure. You were saying earlier that that you'll you know swap the BDC via some you know bridge whatever it might be depending on the chain that you're getting to to get a loan, but like I I would say that like it's probably more safe for the user to to just use uh, Thorchain in that case, just because the user is going to take on exp- um, prolonged exposure to the underlying wrapped asset that's being used to take out that loan and if that bridge ever gets exploited in which case most bridges do get exploited because they take on both c risk and d risk 
in, in its totality. And instead, like in Thorchain's case, if you, if you use Thorchain to swap the Bitcoin into Ethereum and then take out the loan and do all those things, then like even if Thorchain itself was hacked and exploited or, or something happened that was terrible, um, that wouldn't mean anything to the user who's taken out a loan. They don't, they don't take on any exposure or risk because they're not – uh, exposed to any wrapped assets over a long period of time. It's, it just ends up being like this kind of, you this tricky job in a sense of like, if you try to abstract away all the complexities of like selecting what protocols to use underneath the hood, oh. then you are taking on that risk um, for the user in some extent because you're making the choice that, okay, we're going to use Aave but not Compound or Compound but not you know, something else. Um, and so if something does happen on that smart contract that you're using for that loan or whatever it might be, um, and, and the user takes, takes a loss, like, well, for them, like they didn't select Ave, right. Mm-hmm. And they, so they lost a bunch of money, but they didn't make the choice to utilize this smart contract or that DeFi pro- protocol or, or whatnot. And so whatever you do end up choosing, if you, if you want to go in that direction, which I think is an interesting direction to go, you probably want to go the lowest risk possible. No, I fully agree with that. And so I want to clarify one thing is while we abstract out all of the the steps and processes that a user has to go through, we don't hide what we are using. So this is a clearly publicly advertised integration of Aave. Like this is the Aave protocol and um, running on Ethereum is what we are advertising to the user. Now they just simply get abstracted away from all of the steps and processes necessary to get their funds into a bank account. So we want to be very transparent. We do the same, and the same thing is true for our just general swap functionality. Many of uh, similar apps to Edge will not even show that it's maybe Thorchain or it's Changely or ChangeNow or Godex that is being used under the covers for the swap. Uh, whereas we are fully transparent about it. It's like, hey, this is the actual service that your money is flowing through. And we'll do the same thing with DeFi integration. Like here's the protocols that are being used. You just have far less clicks and far less waiting to deal with in using those protocols. So that's one thing I wanted to clarify. We're not trying to hide the protocols. We're abstracting the user experience of using them. Now, second to that, though, I do agree. You want to use the lowest risk um, protocols. And uh, from the viewpoint of using ThorChain, admittedly, yes, we, we want to route through ThorChain as much as possible. And that's why I'm excited to have the integration of ThorChain. However, people are there is a trade-off there in price sensitivity. So... Um, people are still sensitive of having pretty notable slippage, especially when going from like-kind assets. When you're going from Bitcoin to like a wrapped Bitcoin to put onto Aave, um, they kind of see the amount of Bitcoin change. Right? They're less sensitive when it's a Bitcoin to ETH. But when you're going Bitcoin to wrapped, because you're going to deposit that as, as collateral, you, you feel like you're losing money when you see the actual amount of Bitcoin drop versus the dollar value difference between you know, Bitcoin and ETH. So they're pretty sensitive to that. And as long as we can get some good liquidity and drive um, drive the traffic through ThorChain, I'd be ecstatic because it's so much faster. It's a better user experience. But once again, we have to be uh, conscious of price sensitivity for users in this case. Um, from the viewpoint of the protocol, one of the reasons we're integrating, Avi, it's, it's the longest standing, most stable DeFi protocol for borrowing. And so that's the first uh, route. If something takes its place in the future, it's it's definitely something we would consider. And I know that there has been, and maybe we can talk a little bit about Thorchain in this regard, I know there has been talk of of providing DeFi-like functionality outside of swaps directly integrated inside the protocol. Maybe you guys can comment on that a little bit. And you know, we could see if that ends up being you know a future 
uh, a future part of our roadmap. Yeah, we've been talking about for a long time about expanding beyond. Sorry, one second. Yeah, Chad's the uh, the Dorfi guy. We, we'll, we'll come to that in a second. Once he's back, we can talk a little bit about Dorfi. Uh, let me just go back and ask a question on uh, what we just talked about for a minute. Um, especially, like, uh, one thing that we didn't touch on yet is just uh, Thorchain versus other swap APIs. For, from your guys' perspective, like from the wallet perspective, um, like what what's the difference between one of these like centralized APIs like like Changely or Change Now and and Thorchain? Is it very, is it very different on your guys' end? How do you show that difference to uh, to the users who are deciding what service to use to make a swap? Is it just best best execution, or um, is there some other way that you guys sort it? How do how do you think about all these things? Got it. So to the end user and edge, they just see it as another swap provider. And we and we simply show them the best execution price. And the one thing that our app does favor is what we call um, fixed rates. So a lot of these services will give you, can provide you a fixed rate quote or can provide you a variable rate quote where you don't really know how much you're going to get. So we try to prioritize fixed rate quotes first. And if no one can provide a fixed rate quote for the amount the user wants and for the uh, the asset pair that they want, then it falls back to who gives the best variable rate quote. So in order to give Thorchain a better chance of getting chosen, we, we kind of mimic a fixed rate quote in the code that provides a quote up to the user by using Thorchain's limit, right? limit feature, where you can specify, hey, don't send me any less than this amount. So this is where things do differ between a more centralized swap provider and a DEX. And this is not unique to Thorchain. This is true of every DEX. Um, every DEX is basically a variable rate quote. You don't really know what you're going to get until it executes, but you can specify a lower bound of how much you want to receive. So the challenge that we have, and this is one thing that is kind of an open um, question to the community, and how can we solve this challenge to provide users that true experience that you get with a centralized provider is um, how do we refine and more accurately predict what is that lower limit such that we have a high likelihood that the swap will succeed? But we don't present a very poor spread, making the user you know less comfortable in executing that transaction. That is kind of at the heart, and I know that's one of the things we spent most of you know the last week or two um, before going into production tweaking. You know, like what is that exact percentage from source amount to destination amount such that it has a high chance of executing? That's the fundamentally different um, user experience because a lot of these centralized providers, they know their math over the long term and they can say, hey, we're going to provide this fixed rate quote. It's going gonna, it's gonna to last for X amount of time, but we're going to uphold it even if they lose money on it due to volatility because at the end of the day, they know that they might lose money on one or two transactions, but the vast majority of them, they'll, they'll make up that loss. Whereas DEXs can't really do that, right? They're, you, know, you really make sure you don't lose money um, in the short term. So that at its heart is one of the biggest differences. And as well, the, the developer user experience. Uh, I know the DoorChain team was amazing at being super responsive and super helpful with any developer questions we had. But I think one thing that I learned is um, there's still some challenges in being able to just simply calculate the swaps, like how much you're going to receive. But all of that is super solvable. It's so solvable with some simple software that is getting built out and to some degree might already exist that just was in its early phases before we could use it. So the, the solvable problem is the developer experience of you know, really making the API like, hey, here's how much I have, how much am I going to receive? And I don't have to do any math. I don't do any calculations on the end of the wallet provider. Um, and the harder problem 
to solve is properly predicting how much that user can receive and setting that limit appropriately such that they have a high chance of, of success. So hopefully that's a good, a good little summary of the experience we had and also the differences we see between the different swap providers. Yeah, I, I think Thorwald actually built a, a, a public API that anybody can use that you can hit and just say, hey, you know, what am I going to get out of this swap? And it kind of just tells you what, how much you pay in swap fees and how much you pay in gas fees. And how much you, I kind of break it all down in a simple API. Yeah, no, we actually did chat with them about that. And the API came just a hair after we implemented what I believe is probably the exact same code client side inside of our app. So um, the one benefit we do try to, we do try to integrate a lot more client side logic than most apps because we like to be as fault tolerant as possible, right? Depend um, a little bit less on APIs when we don't need to, or at least fewer of them. But admittedly, that API would have saved us a good amount of time. It just came a little late for the timing of the integration. So that would solve the, the problem of the calculation of how much you're going to receive. But it doesn't necessarily solve the problem of um, the volatility between the different assets and how likely you are to for that uh, swap to execute. So our finding is even if you apply all the calculations, when you send that, when you send the funds and you set that limit based on all the calculations, there's still a chance that that, that swap will fail. Because for example, like Bitcoin, you send it 10 minutes later, you know, there's volatility and um, the liquidity's changed and suddenly, you know, you, the ThorChain network can't send the destination currency at the amount you requested. That's always a possibility. And figuring out um, what is the what I call volatility percent that we need to apply to that limit is the challenge. Like we don't know what to apply. Fortunately, that's something we can change server side. We can tweak it as we see the failure rate of transactions or the success rate. We can tweak that. But it is one that it's kind of a magic number. We don't really know what that right number should be for the different pairs. Um, so open, I call this a, an open question and request to the general community uh, is how can we find some tooling um, maybe it's analytics and heuristics that will help us you know, set this volatility percentage based on the amount that the user wants and the, the two different assets um, and really give us a good idea so that we can get good success rate. Yeah, one of the things that's, that's currently being worked on or developed is um, the ability to have like kind of order book like kind of interface where you can send in some Bitcoin, say you want to receive, you know, X number of ether on the other side. And then to that volatility kicks in that you were just referring to. And, and the network can no longer satisfy at that ratio between the Bitcoin and ether that you were asking for. But then maybe, you know, five minutes later or, or, or 12 hours later or whatever it might be that, you know, the volatility went back the reverse direction and now it can satisfy that request and then it executes that trade like hours later or days later, even months later. It could be anything that matter. Actually, this would be awesome. And we've talked about doing limit orders for quite some time and we have some ideas on how to do it with existing swap providers. Um, but it would require some of that infrastructure we built for Aave, meaning we would hold a signed transaction that literally sits there waiting for the price to hit the, you know, the, the exact ratio that the user wants. So for example, the user wants to swap Bitcoin for ETH, we'd have to create a signed transaction of Bit uh, to send X amount of Bitcoin, but wait for the ratio of Bitcoin to ETH to hit that exact ratio that the user wants and then broadcast the transaction. So it requires more infrastructure. Although admittedly, if ThorChain can do this right off the bat, that actually would solve the problem where ThorChain is the one holding the signed transaction because it's actually holding the funds, waiting for the price spread to, to hit the limit that the user wants and sending out the ETH. So that admittedly, it would be awesome. So I'd be excited about that. We don't have any UI for that, admittedly. Right now, we're trying to mimic the UI of 
Uh, the best analogy is Coinbase versus Coinbase Pro. Coinbase is that simplified consumer from friendly UI where you just say how much you have and how much you want, and then you're done. Whereas the more advanced trader sets limit orders, market orders, stop limit orders. Maybe they have leverage trading. It's something you want to get to going forward because our mission is to replace CFIs, replace centralized exchanges and the features they have. But in the short term, we're trying to replace that the CFIs that cater to kind of the retail of investor versus the more um, avid trader. But that is an exciting feature. So I'm glad that that's on the roadmap for ThorChain. And by the way, like once that feature launches, like if you guys wanted to use it, it's the same UI that you're or the same process you're already using. Just the memo has a very small uh, uh, change to it. It would be very, everything else would be, from a coding perspective it would be identical. It would be very easy to, to add on. Nice. Really like a, a five nice. line change or so. Awesome to hear. Very, very cool to hear. That's why I'm being excited about working with the team. You guys not only have great you know, developer relations and support, but also have a great vision going forward. That makes me think of another potential feature of um, like scheduling transactions and abstracting that away into DCAing. Uh, like you have some some stables sitting and maybe it's sending a, a buy, a swap to ThorChain every week or month or something like that. Um, could be a cool feature. No, exactly. Yeah, this is admittedly the kind of stuff that we've talked to some of the C5 providers to be able to do. And, uh, you know, ThorChain does have the ability to, to kind of sweep the floor and already automatically offer it at a protocol level, uh, which is awesome. One of the things that um, we are looking to do, and actually maybe you guys can give me insight right, right on this call as to whether or not it's possible, is, you know, one of the challenges that we have is the reverse um, loan, meaning you, you want to pay back your loan. That goes from bank account right into, say, mainnet Bitcoin. So from bank account, you'd have to buy some stable, take the stable, deposit it into the loan on Aave, pay down, pay down the loan, extract out the, the, the tokenized Bitcoin, like say wrap, and then swap it into Bitcoin. So from the viewpoint of our action node architecture, we'd have to issue the purchase of the stable, but then that can take a while. Anyone knows how long a bank transfer takes? That could take a day, could take five days. Once that settles, we can then broadcast the transactions that will deposit the stable, pay off the loan. Um, but then the final transaction is the swapping of wrapped to mainnet Bitcoin. We can create and sign that transaction days ahead. Only problem is we need to be able to have a, a static address that we can send that wrapped Bitcoin to. And with a lot of our swap providers, many of them can't provide a static address because you, you create an order, that order expires. So if there's a way that we can create an address that we know will be static for at least some period of time, maybe say a week on ThorChain, then we can pre-sign that transaction but broadcast it at a later point in time to then receive the Bitcoin on the other end. And since these, this is a like-kind asset, we're not so worried about volatility, right? Like the price between wrapped and Bitcoin doesn't really change. Um, so the volatility isn't there as long as we just generally get, you know, generally good slippage. So that's an open... Uh, an open problem that we do have. And yeah, if, if ThorChain can help solve that, that would be amazing. Yeah, most likely we can. I think we can definitely be a, at, least, at least a component, if not the whole thing, to, to satisfy that, that kind of requirement. How long, how long are deposit addresses generally held for before they um, expire and people should not send funds to them? Like, what is that time window? I know I, know I don't rely on that. I, we always query immediately off the, the Midgard network, hey, what are the addresses for the pools? But realistically, yeah. how long could those last? 
They generally last for um, it, it depends on the, the the churn period. Right now, the churn set to a week, so it'd be a week plus whatever the churn process is, which is generally about six hours. So it's one week plus plus six hours. So, what is the worst case if a user were to query an address? What's the shortest amount of time um, where the address would have expired and they should not send money to it? Um, well, whenever we start the churning process, we always kind of um, recommend people don't send to the vaults that are being retired, which takes okay. like a six-hour process. If you did, it would be fine. The, the network would still pick up on it and do the swap or whatever the action is. But we always try to push people to, uh, you know, use the active vaults rather than the vaults that are being retired. Um, but even if you send it to a retiring vault, it'll still work fine unless you send it and you know five minutes later the retiring vault becomes an inactive vault, and then at that point. Uh, it, w- it would just basically drop the funds. Got it. So really, it's it's a week plus six hours. So if a user's um, lucky in the sense that they query an address at the start of that week, they really have seven days, right? That address is good for seven days plus six hours. But if they were to query that address on like the seventh day, right, then really they only have six hours. Does that sound correct? They have six hours before that address should not have funds sent to it. Well, if they did on the seventh day, there would be a, a new churn happening. If, if a churn is active, I mean that we're moving funds, then, then a new address has been created. So if you – the worst case scenario is you query it right before the churn starts, right before correct. the – And then you would have basically six hours at that point to, to send it. Okay, yeah. and that's and that's what I figured was was the case. And so, in the in the case of this uh, DeFi protocol where we need a static address, we would need our worst case to be about a week. So if if the if this was basically like a if the churn was was a week and the whole the the valid address is also a week, then we know that our worst case, no matter when we query at any point in time, we know is always a week. Then we'd be able to use this functionality. Um, but as it stands, it would be too risky because we don't really know where we are in the in that well, time window. You always know when you are in that time window because it's, oh, you do. it's yeah, yeah. I mean, the churn happens every X number of blocks, and you can look at the block height of you know Thorchain and then do a modulus with the with the the number of blocks, and you can actually Got calculate. It. And there's even some websites you can go to where it actually does a countdown of like when the next churn is going to be. So all that's like got publicly, it, got publicly it. calculable knowledge, and you can just say, "Oh, wait, there's a churn happening," and you know, in an hour, so hold off and wait for that thing to start, and then then we can go ahead and do the thing or whatever. Yeah, I think in the case that we're that we're seeing, and due to the slowness of you know the fiat rails, if the fiat rails are faster, this wouldn't be a big deal. But since they're slow, at least here in the U.S. Um, we would need something that a solution whereby uh, we can know that at any point in time we're good for at least a week, because otherwise we just simply can't use the product, right? Like a user comes in, it's it's like right before the six hour churn, and they want to pay back a loan. We we can't. We would just have to stop, and then they just simply couldn't do the operation. Which, from a user experience point of view, doesn't doesn't feel good. It's like, oh, please wait, you know, please wait six hours, or please wait a day. Um, uh, before you go and pay back your loan because of this weird technical limitation, right? And so that would be something that would be a bit of a, a limitation that, you know, once that's solved, I think it would fit in really nicely. And that's one thing that we're asking some of the more CFI providers to provide is this long-standing address that can do a swap for at least a week. And some of them can do it, I think, like 30 to 90 days because 
obviously they don't have the same limitations that Torchain has. I actually have to hop off in about 10 minutes, but I had a couple of questions for you that I was curious to ask if you didn't mind. Sure. Absolutely. Go for yeah. it. Wait, let, let me just say that anyone can request to come up. Uh, just hit the request button now. So we got you queued up. So sorry, Jody, you continue. Uh, first one is like some some wallets or UIs on Thorchain. They will sometimes make the last three uh, integers in their like in their um, trade target to be like the same. So for like ThorSwap, for example, they use one one one, and by doing that, they basically kind of like have a way of uh, um, kind of marking this trade as being a ThorSwap UI. You know trade that that occurred Mm -hmm. did you guys do the same thing do you you have uh, some number you're using to kind of like signify this is a a trade happening through the uh, edge wallet edge you know in all honesty we would prefer that we don't have anything like that um our privacy model is such that we don't really want to know what transactions come from our users period however you know given the fact that we are a company and thorchain is a revenue generating um, operation for our user base we're needing to put our uh thor name into all the transactions. So that alone already uniquely identifies anything that's coming from Edge. We don't need to do any funny business with, uh, with the amounts. Um, and so if there are a way for us to avoid doing that so there's not like an actual publicly visible, um, uh, trackable uh, you know, piece of data on the chain, that would be ideal. And admittedly, this is where CFI has a little bit of a leg up on DeFi. You know? And with CFI, there's, they're just regular transactions on the chain. You have no idea that these are swaps that were issued on Edge, and we don't know those either until they get reported to us via a private API from a swap partner. So hopefully that answers your question. We already know which transactions are coming from Edge, but it's not through any weird you know, um, amounts. So the, the other question I had for you was, um, and you're welcome to, to not answer some of these questions if you want to keep it, you know, <laughs> sure. keep it private. So feel free to tell me that shut my mouth but, um i was curious to know like what kind of you know bitcoin trade volume do you guys see within your edge app and then what what percentage are you expecting or seeing or expecting that thorchain would 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 take some of that volume sorry bitcoin specifically i don't know right um i, I we do have a breakdown by pairs but not by like individual assets um as far as like trade volume like overall Let's just say we're in the eight figures of trade volume on many months. Um, so it's it's volatile, right? But eight figures of trade volume. Um, that does include fiat rails, which obviously Thorchain won't really help with. Um, but at times, especially during bull run markets, it's by and large mostly crypto to crypto, which if we've got good liquidity on Thorchain, Thorchain can sweep the floor. That's really the challenge is getting good liquidity and, and low spreads, tight spreads. And then whichever partner provides that takes takes the cake um and we really want to work closely with the team and that's why I, I broadcast that open call to say hey how can we tighten these these spreads and estimate these amounts more accurately um because yeah that's about how much we could drive like you know easily um low to mid eight figures worth of of volume um kind of depending on the time of the year and like you know what prices are volatile um so that's what we could drive but obviously we're not driving that immediately because it's spread across multiple providers right now but I would love to make 90 plus percent of our volume go through Thorchain. That would be kind of my own personal goal. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one of the things we, honestly, we, we think about a lot is how do we get deeper liquidity on our, in our pools just to foster more trade volume from, from you know, UIs like yourselves. Um, you know, yeah. and I think this, the, the single-sided yield is, is probably like 
the thing that we're most excited about right now is that once we launch that thing, that the the amount of Bitcoin, the amount of Ethereum, the amount of you know assets in the pools will, will be basically maxed out in a very short period of time, and that will just create the deepest pools we can possibly create at this time. And then the next part is just how do we scale the the bond, the security, so that we can scale the pools even deeper. Right. So like, that's something we're doing, and it's it's good to know that like you know we can know with a, with a reasonable assurances that if we deepen our pools on this network, we inherently get, you know, a higher trade volume, um, from, from, from our, uh, uh, integrations like, like yours. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's sitting there to be, to be had across both, you know, edge and any future integration partners as well. And I think this is a path that most have gone down is like, Hey, you know, people are price sensitive, want to provide the best deal. Um, but then there's this, ideal ideological you know bias where we want people to using using the the no kyc censorship resistant globally accessible um, products such as thorchain um and so i want those i want thorchain to have that that competitive nature and that competitive price and we're seeing that in same chain dexes so i don't think this is impossible in the sense that you know if i wanted to just go from some random token to some random token on uniswap you know v2 v3 that will be a far better deal by and large, on most of the top 10, top 20 tokens, than trying to go to a centralized provider. So um, it's there to be had for sure. It can be incredibly competitive. And it's just a matter of, like you said, providing the UI that gets the liquidity onto the system. Um, and then what you know, liquidity begets more liquidity. And of course, driving the traffic that then uses that liquidity because that begets people providing more liquidity because they could earn the fees on it. So it's hopefully a nice... Um, positive feedback loop as liquidity and volume starts to grow. Are you, are you familiar with aggregation through Thorchain? Like, so to offer the ability to swap from, say, Bitcoin to an obscure ERC twenty or ARC twenty or vice versa, um, using other dexes interacting with Thorchain, um, and you know that's kind of a way to give like the best execution on on tons and tons of other potential swaps like that. Uh, curious if you've thought about using that yes no we're we were brought that uh, that was brought to our attention in uh, what is it a couple months ago when we first started re-chatting re i guess with the thorchain team and it sounds fascinating like blow my mind it is though um extra difficult to provide a fixed quote when you're hopping through multiple dexes so you're hopping through a same chain dex on eth to get into thorchain and then from thorchain onto avax and then you know a same chain dex on avax um, pretty much that'll have to be a variable quote because there's too many there's too many questions along the line on slippage and price change and volatility. Um, but we think that Thorchain can still be very competitive given a variable rate quote because these are going to be long tail assets that likely don't even get fixed rate quotes even from the C5 providers. So that is one, that, one thing that we are closely evaluating what the technical efforts are for integration because it, it is definitely a very compelling um, integration that we'd like to provide. Um, just looking at the tech side right now, and also just first getting step one is to, is making sure that we've got we got a good user experience with just pure Thorchain decks without the the dex aggregation. But it is definitely a fascinating thing. We'd love to be able to support it. Can you? It, but you can currently do um, single chain deck swaps with an edge, or is that is that something to come? Like for example, doing an ERC twenty ERC twenty um, is that already integrated? It already is, but only a, on a smaller. Uh, Uniswap v2 clone on TombSwap on the Phantom network. We are going to take that code and migrate it over to ETH and Polygon and whatnot, but we just haven't launched you know the other chains yet. At least we know we have the code. It is ready. It's working currently in Edge. It's just 
you know, not not with a lot of the assets that people are looking to support yet. Okay, gotcha. So here's a question for you, Paul. I'm sorry, curiosity here. Sure. Um, the idea that the Thorchain can support, you know, um, various chains that are not EVM and the things that are largely like, you know, isolated, you know, uh, to pick an example, might be like Tezos, for example, that like is not really integrated into much at all. Does that sound something that's really interesting? Like from from your perspective, like what are the chains that you would like to see Thorchain add that gives you kind of more expandability and more kind of value add? Like, do you want to see more EVM chains added? Do you want to see, you know, crypto note, like, you know, like uh, Monero? Do you want to see kind of more like the isolated chains like Cardano or, um, or, or Tezos or like, or Dash? Like, what do you, how do you think about that? So based on our user base, we tend to have a user base that cares a lot about privacy. Uh, we were the first multi-asset app to support Monero. Um, and that's a, that's this probably the second biggest asset for swaps on edge. It generates a good amount of our volume, even though it's like number thirty on thirty or forty on coin market cap as far as rank. It's the asset that is disproportionate in rank versus volume that it generates for us at least. Um, we were also, I think, one of only two apps, multi-asset apps that support Zcash in full privacy mode, right? Like full shield address. We don't even support transparent addresses on Zcash. We want people to have privacy by default. Um, so privacy protocols are probably the first thing that I would ask for. And I know those are probably some of the more challenging ones, but that would be the first ask are privacy protocols. And then second, because of our DeFi focus, um, the chains that have broad adoption in DeFi, and the first one that comes to mind is Polygon. Um, and it's mainly because Polygon has good support for um, fiat on and off ramps. So in that, that obvious example, when someone's taking out a loan, they're taking their Bitcoin, turning it into wrapped. Um, at the end of the day, though, they're going to take out a stable coin and settle that into fiat. Well, the other chains have stable coins, but we'd have to go through more hurdles to get their stable coin into the bank account, whereas we have pretty good support for Polygon stables. So those would be my main asks, would be, once again, privacy protocols, um, Monero, Zcash, um, possibly some of the smaller ones too that we're talking to, like, like Pirate Chain, I'm looking at Secret Network, uh, which is both DeFi and, and privacy. Um, and then after that, uh, high liquidity DeFi uh, chains. Um, and so far, it looks like Polygon's probably second there, second in line with uh, with Ethereum. Cool. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to have to jump off myself, but uh, thank you for jumping on and, and answering all my uh, my more questions. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem, Chad. Great questions. Thanks so much for asking them. Yep. Bye, guys. Thanks, Chad. Catch Cheers. you later. Uh, now, I'll offer again. There's no one that's um, requested to come up. If anyone would like to come ask some questions to Edge Wallet or just talk about the integration between Thorchain and Edge Wallet, just hit the request button or uh, the chat button on the bottom right and just leave a comment. We'll, we'll stay up here for, if you, if you have some time, Paul, we'll stay up for just a little bit more until um, uh, and see if anyone from the audience has any questions for you. But until then, uh, one of the things you mentioned is just slippage between different swap routes. Um, do you have any specific swap routes in mind on where slippage can be improved? Like, what, what kind of what are the most popular swap routes that um, you guys see on Edge? If you, if you don't mind sharing, no, for sure. So the popular routes, obviously, right now it's not supported, but Monero, like Bitcoin to Monero, Monero to Bitcoin, um, Monero to ETH, ETH to ETH to Monero, and then stables. So going from Bitcoin to stables, stables to Bitcoin and ETH are probably the the highest volume swap routes that we support. Um, uh, 
And then coming up, we fundamentally believe we're going to drive a large amount of volume um, to like-kind assets of Bitcoin. So Bitcoin to wrap Bitcoin is probably going to uh, hit probably top three of asset pairs because of this integration with Aave, or we're needing to drive a lot of volume that direction. Well, that one's going to be very, I call price sensitive. Like, you know, once you're in like-kind assets, people, it's easier for people to sense when, what they've lost, you know, like in, in the swamp. And so keeping that pretty slim. And funnily, I think that should be much easier because you're not dealing with asset volatility. Um, right? there's, there's no real volatility between the two assets. So we should be able to keep that slippage much lower. And in Edge, what we do with our integration with ThorChain is we mark um, various assets that are like kind, like USDT to USDC, um, Bitcoin to wrapped, you know, wrapped to, I don't know if you're like SBTC. We list a bunch of what we consider to be like kind. And our volatility percentage that we use to set the limit of how much a user will receive, um, that we set as a much lower amount, right? Because we know there's not really a lot of volatility between these. So hopefully that still gives us pretty good execution, um, and, but presents the user with a much better price spread um, when they see the, the swaps. Yeah, that's one of the use cases where we're seeing the aggregation routes be really interesting because you can see a swap using ThorChain for say Bitcoin to wrap Bitcoin. And instead of using just the ThorChain pool, it'll like route through the ETH pool and then use the sushi swap pool and potentially save the user a lot of money uh, using the, that type of route just because of the more depth on, on sushi for the wrapped asset than there is on, on, on ThorChain. So it's really cool kind of seeing like those edge cases getting, getting tighter and tighter um, by, by tapping into outside liquidity. Got it. Okay. Interesting to, interesting to hear. So it's definitely something that as we integrate the, uh, the DEX aggregation, um, we could see if that's actually able to route what I call non-long-tail assets. Because I know that it was presented to us as a great solution for long-tail assets, much smaller coins with low liquidity. Um, but the idea that it could actually provide a better rate for the you know, top 10 assets, top 20 assets, is kind of a new concept, a new idea. But I'll, I'm happy to hear that that's a... That's a strong potential, especially for something like Wrap Bitcoin, which has really, really nice liquidity on on Uniswap or like one one inch, for example, uh, as compared to like a Thorchain pool. Like, there's still a good amount. I think there's a little bit more than uh, than a million of Wrap Bitcoin liquidity on, on Thorchain. But you know, you compare that to the, the regular Bitcoin pool, and uh, you know, you try and put a, a, a sizable Bitcoin swap through there you're going to get hit with some slippage and also right. Ethereum outbound fees and, and, you know, things that are related to that. So in some cases, the aggregation route is just more efficient when it comes to, uh, you know, things that just don't have that crazy amount of liquidity that you see on, uh, on Uniswap, like wrap Bitcoin, for example. Have there been any thoughts about implementing different um, curves, much like curve, you know, for like kind assets? Um, such that it reduces the slippage between the two assets that are similar. And I know with Curve, though, I know there's no rune in the middle. I know everything's paired against rune, which is an inherent challenge. I'm not sure if you guys have thought of some solutions to that challenge to go from things like Bitcoin to wrap, USDT to USDC. Yeah, I don't, there's, there hasn't been any specific discussions around like you know changing the, the slippage model. Uh, you know, I, I think this, the slippage model works because it, it always drives revenue towards the, the LPs, even though like when liquidity is low, if swaps are being made, that just that creates some kind of yield for the LPs. Right. So it's an it's, it's a model that might not be as efficient for a, a swapper, but uh, it, it drives liquidity because, uh, you know, even when there's low liquidity, as long as there's swaps going through that pool, 
there's going to be some kind of yield that's that's driven towards the the LPs, right? So it kind of it, it strikes that balance at some point. Um, so yeah, that's just another interesting part of that. Okay, yeah, I know that it was pretty compelling to hear of Curve's launch because uh, you know, being able to provide you know extra low slippage specifically for like kind assets is pretty compelling because that is. That is a point where most people don't want to lose a lot. Like they kind of accept Bitcoin ETH. I'm like, okay, there's exchange rate differences, exchange rate volatility. But when going from you know ETH to wrapped ETH or you know, USD to USDC, people are, are much more sensitive to to slippage in that case. And so Curve is a pretty compelling protocol in that sense. Yeah, and I could see why too. Like you know, you you put in one Bitcoin, you get out you know 0.95. Uh, that's you know, it's in your 5% face. gap there. Yeah. 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 You're like, wow, your I just lost, I just lost like qu- quite a bit of, you yeah. know, it, it goes cross currency. You might not notice the, uh, I mean, cause, cause there isn't like a material like, Hey, this, this is supposed to be like one-to-one to the other, you know, it's not pegged. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, Thorchain exactly. doesn't, it's supposed to be asset agnostic as in it doesn't Correct. treat any assets differently than any other asset. So it, it has no concept of, of like, like kind assets or like, uh, you know, this is a wrapped Bitcoin traded to a regular Bitcoin. It's just like this is just one asset trading to another asset. It doesn't know that it's Bitcoin. It doesn't know that it's wrapped Bitcoin. It just sees the ratios and and makes the trade as uh, as prescribed. So, yeah, sorry, we had two people waiting here for uh, that oh, perfect. To come up. So let's do it. Let's let's uh, go to our wizard. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, um, I was just wondering. So I know you guys do like you're interested in a lot of the swap stuff, but do you guys also have demand for people for the single sided liquidity? And if so, what does how much does that look like? Let's say in Bitcoin terms, is that a question for the Thorchain team? It sounds like it was. Um, no, that's that's for the, the well, I mean, for both. Uh, so for providing single sided liquidity, as far as the demand for that operation, yeah. is that what you're? Yeah. You know, we're having to take a bit of a guess here in the sense that we, we know there's a demand for being able to provide liquidity because that really, at the end of the day, is just earning yield, right? You can bucket staking, providing liquidity, double single or double asset. It all buckets under, we want to earn yield. And we know there's demand for that because that's where a lot of the CFI uh, companies are cutting their teeth. It's that That is the product in and of itself. So you know there's demand there. And... I'll at least I'll stake the claim at saying being able to provide single sided liquidity is just a so much easier user experience. And if you think about it, the CFI products that earn yield, they take your crypto and they do things both in kind of the sketchy lending it out to various companies way, but they also use utilize DeFi protocols. And many of them could be utilizing DeFi protocols and providing liquidity on double asset yield. And you just don't know it. So I don't know of a single CFI um, app that allows you to earn yield, but have to stake two assets of equivalent amounts, right? No CFI app is going to do that because they don't need to. They can abstract that for you. So in the same sense, you know, without actually like having gotten you know user input f- uh, for this, we can feel fairly confident that providing single asset yield will be a significantly easier and better user experience to users than requiring them to have you know, equivalent dual asset amounts. Um, and I'm curious if anyone feels otherwise, but it feels like a pretty surefire bet. Yeah, that's definitely been the thought um, you know, within the Thorchain community for a long time, which is why we're so excited for it. And I, I think another uh, benefit in there is that um, you don't, like I know you kind of abstracted away, but but you also are transparent, and you you wouldn't have to explain that oh like this is going to wrap Bitcoin and then into a smart contract and blah blah blah. Like it could be you know a, a 
an, an earn button right in their Bitcoin wallet. And it just, right. um, you know, goes right from, right from the native asset. Whereas a lot, a lot of, especially for Bitcoin users, you know, they might be using edge and, and holding their Bitcoin there, but they're, they might be somebody that like does not want to have any contact with a wrapped asset or even Ethereum or, or something like that. So kind of opens, yep. opens, opens, opens yield opportunities up to, to that user base. And really the funny is if you're in a bit, if you're like a pure Bitcoiner, you don't really have much of a choice. There's very few options other than maybe like Lightning Network, where you could take your Bitcoin and earn yield on it without a custodian. Right? Someone literally taking your Bitcoin and say, I'm going to hold it and give you yield. Um, or a DeFi protocol that's on a different chain. So you, you kind of, you're between a rock and a hard place, but the softer place that's not so hard is really going on to a DeFi protocol where you might have custody, uh, custodial uh, service holding your Bitcoin, but much more transparent, such as wrapped Bitcoin is fully transparent. You know how much Bitcoin is being held and how much has been minted. Um, and then you're relying on protocol technology to not compromise you as opposed to human decision, not compromising you such as through C5 protocols. So, you know, to the Bitcoin, it's really tough. Like there's not much you can do on Bitcoin. Um, so hopefully this is a much better compromise, um, than just simply sending their funds to a 100% custodian that can mismanage it. For sure. Um, I was just wondering if you could like maybe even quantify that number or is it like, oh, okay. you know, it's, it seems like a hard tough. to me as well. Yeah. yeah um, I wasn't sure if you were approached or like if, if um, maybe someone's saying, hey, like what if you were able to custody my Bitcoin? I've got this much Bitcoin and mm -hmm. what that looks like. Uh, we use we use the numbers that we see from, from CFI services as our kind of metric. And so how many billions were custodied by, uh, by Celsius for people to earn yield and take out loans? BTC, I think, somewhere there, in that range. There, there you go, right? That's the potential that, that products like Edge abstracting yield and loans have for the amount of volume that can be driven through if you provide that same user experience. So that's our goal. It'll really eliminate 99% of the need for a CFI service that can be fully mirrored in DeFi. Some things can't be fully mirrored in DeFi. Under collateralized loans, I'm still skeptical of being mirrored in DeFi. And so that'll probably continue to be you know, traditional finance and CFI. But the stuff that we can purely mirror, let's do it. You know, Let's do it. Let's wipe out the, the custodial services from really wanting to offer that service because they'd be going up against a, a brick wall with uh, DeFi globally accessible censorship resistance. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Hey, we have uh, Oleg too from the ThorSwap team. Hey, hey guys. Hey, Oleg. And hi, Paul. Uh, nice meeting you. Uh, thanks for taking the time and uh, giving us all the insights. So just for context, I'm a developer at ThorSwap. I also um, work a lot with the API, so very familiar with all the challenges that you explained a bit earlier when you were talking about um, the variable quotes versus the fixed quotes. And I had a question for that. Um, would it be possible or would it be a good thing UXY for your users to have some sort of maybe in-betweens between the variable quotes and the fixed quotes and maybe call this kind of a hybrid quote where <laughs> we kind of provide yeah. an expected value with kind of an interval or confidence score associated with that? Because from our experience, um, for the lower trades, so if you, let's say you're trading um, like $200 or $300 cross chain, obviously the gas is most likely kind of what's going to kill your trade or kind of take away the most value. But for larger trades, obviously it's, it's slippage. And actually what we found out is that uh, slippage estimation is actually very precise. Um, and that's true for Thorchain and um, DEX aggregation. So 
using estimation on Uniswap or OneInch. But what can actually kind of introduce variation is the delay uh, for mm, a BTC right. conf- confirmation. So would it be like kind of a, w- w- can there be an hybrid world where in the edge wallet, there is a trade with an expected value? But since it's not coming from BTC, we're kind of confident because it's Litecoin, it's going to get executed fast, um, that the expected value should be very, very close to what you're actually going to pay. You know, we, it, you nailed it because this has come across in discussions within our team multiple times. Like, do we even show, you know, a variable, a fully variable quote alongside a fixed quote, let the user choose? And then from the viewpoint of DEXs, DEXs are always this weird in-between. You, you, you nail it. It's this hybrid quote of... Here's the variable quote, but yet we can also say we're not going to go below this amount, right? And here's like the confidence. And you nailed it as well in the sense that we're noticing most of the fail, the failed trades are literally coming from Bitcoin because of the low um, or the long uh, confirmation time, or that could be the specific asset or any other assets that have 10 minute confirmation times where our volatility percentage is larger and wider, right? We just say, well, you know, maybe it's two, three percent when coming from Bitcoin because we just don't have high confidence. I do think that that would be um, an Im- improvement to what I would call the average crypto user because they, they you know, they want to know that information. Um, I'm not confident and I'm not sure, and it's required just asking community or A-B testing it, how a lot of the noobs that are used to, once again, a Coinbase type app, not a Coinbase Pro, but a Coinbase type app, how they would receive that level of selection and know what to do next like if they see it do they want to just go with the fixed rate quote do they want to go with this hybrid quote do they want to go with a fully variable quote and uh i know that there exists in humanity the what they call the baskin robbins 51 flavors problem you present too much choice and then sometimes it causes a deer in headlights like i'm just not going to move forward because i don't know what to choose and we're trying to find that balance and i, I don't 100 know what that right balance is but what you bring up has definitely been chatted about, and it, uh, it's crossed our mind a lot. Thanks. That answers it perfectly. <laughs> Thanks for the suggestion. Appreciate it. Hey, we also have uh, Pluto up from the Nine Realms team. Hey, Pluto. Hey, what's going on, um, Paul? Great to meet you. Really, really awesome how the Edge Wallet um, integration turned out. We're super, super pleased with everything, and it's been awesome working with you guys and your team. Um, we haven't met yet personally because I've been involved more on like the protocol and operational side, but I wanted to cool. go back a little bit to what um, a previous um, caller asked about, you know, in terms of like what is going to be the demand for single-sided liquidity. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that like we're pretty confident in, in saying like in terms of the current um, like mar- like addressable market size versus like just the uh, like amount of security that we have in the security budget from bonded rune anyway it's basically like it's it's uncapped so um like i think the question is not like um how much demand for for single side deposits will there be but um but really we have to think about like how much capacity does the network have um to accept single-sided liquidities uh, to accept single-sided deposits um and so like that's one of the things that it makes um, integrations with you guys and your team particularly valuable to the protocol for is because um, they're basically like when you when you guys implement swaps, for example, you're you're independent, you're, you're, you're dependently like juicing the yields on the pools that those swaps are going through, which, uh, you know, because of the mechanics of single sided liquidity and protocol owned liquidity, 
it's it's very complicated to explain all of it. But like as um, protocol-owned liquidity gets dripped into the pools, um, the the yield is basically going down in in those pools. And so right. um, the only way to counteract that that dynamic is by putting more swap volume through it. So I would say that like you know what we should be thinking about most when we think about these integrations, when we think about single-sided liquidity and uh, protocol-owned liquidity, is that they're all interconnected. And the only way to have you know, large scale and, you know, multi-billion dollar scale um, 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 single-sided liquidity deposits in order for your users to all be able to, to deposit all of the Bitcoin that they want to, then a lo- everyone has to be collectively making more swaps through ThorChain because that's what drives the yield that they're getting from the wallet in the first place. So uh, right. it's really like, it, it, it's, 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 that's the dynamic. Chicken and egg. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And in, in products like you, your guys' is because you're a wallet, you have the, uh, the, the ability to provide both sides of that user experience. You can provide the swapping and the, the, the non-custodial swapping as well as the, the non-custodial yield earning all in one experience. And those two features together are sort of um, you know, working symbiotically in order to make the other one worthwhile. So more swaps, more liquidity. And it's, you know, that's, that's sort of the flywheel that we talk about. And I think integrations like Edge Wallet is just, it completely is going to demonstrate um, the power of that sort of the dynamic. I'm glad you talked about that because I think a lot of people do forget that. They just simply ask, wait, you just want, you know, higher liquidity, higher liquidity, higher liquidity. But it is, you know, like I said, it's a, it's a chicken and egg problem in the sense that, you know, I've provided liquidity on DEXs and I can see when um, uh, liquidity gets removed I kind of like rejoice a little bit because I'm a larger percentage of the uh, of the network and I get better yield, you know, but yeah. of course that's not as interesting to the people that actually want to do the swaps. Um, right. Then I see when the swap volume spikes up while liquidity is low, I get the most amount of yield. That's good to me as a, as a provider of liquidity. And so you do have a bit of a tug of war um, between the different players in ecosystem and you need both to go up equivalently um, in order to improve the experience for both people. Right, for both sides, um, right. you can't just have one uh, a one-sided increase in you know uh, attendance, you know, or, or participation. So, very good point. I like that you'd mentioned that. So, people keep that in mind. Yeah, and and, and so the one question I have for you, and, and this almost even goes back to what um, Olivier was saying, um, you know, just just about how hard it is to price swaps accurately. Well, that then now we have to start talking about how do we price or how do we quote yield for these single-sided liquidity products. And I think that's something that, you know, we don't really know the answer to yet. We don't know, you know, from your perspective and the perspective of your users, how you guys are going to want to like, you know, basically message that the fact that, the, you know, the rates on these, these kind of instruments are going to be pretty variable, variable. you know, yeah. a function of the demand, a function of how much has been deposited in the past, how much demand there is to deposit going forward. And how much swaps will be driven through the pool, and even rune price has an impact on 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 this as well. So, like, it, it's pretty hard to 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 do that. So, I'm just wondering from you, how are you guys thinking about quoting? You know, you, you don't just have like a, like a CFI you know platform that is you know you can't see its solvency, and you don't you know you can't tell what like everyone's positions are actually accruing on their books. They just tell you a rate, and that's the rate. You know, like how how are you guys thinking about? quoting rates in like the decentralized, you know, mm-hmm. yield world. So number one, they're going to be for sure variable that we just simply accept. We're not going to guarantee anybody any rates over even a short period of time. Um, but I think that's actually still an easier problem to solve in quoting a variable rate because it's not a, um, it's not a pass or fail. 
right? With swaps, it's a pass or fail. Like you quote, you quote some amount and either the swap succeeds or it just comes in like literally one Satoshi too low and it fails. Was with the variable hate, you can simply go, here's the seven week average that we've seen for, um, uh, for yield on the network for this specific asset. It could change, but here's at least the past seven day, 30 day average, 90 day average. And you decide to put in funds based on that estimation. And a week later, you can revisit and go, okay, here's the now, the new seven day average um, and what you've achieved and decide to pull out your money or keep it in there. So I think the quoting on yield isn't as difficult of a UX problem because it's a single number. And worst case is they earn you know, some less yield, some more yield, but it's not like it just simply fails. Like, you know, the, the entire thing you wanted to do 100% fails. It doesn't, it's not as binary, which I think presents just a, an easier challenge for wallet providers and for, for the protocols. Cool. Yeah, uh, definitely. Definitely. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, as we start to roll out the feature, um, what those yields end up looking like. You know, I, I, I expect that the demand will be so great in the in the beginning that it'll drive the yields very very really low low. right yep that is the challenge and i remember thinking to myself you know whenever i find a a pool on uniswap that's got like really good yield do i want to tell people about it you know you ever have that feeling like you don't want to let the secret out you let the secret out then suddenly everyone else is in on it then uh, there go your yields right yeah um so similar experience will probably occur so you know the, the people early on will get the best yield um and then it starts to go down until you know, the, that makes for really cheap swaps because there's so much liquidity that drives more swap volume to it. So hopefully we just create this awesome feedback loop and it keeps driving both more liquidity and more swap volume. Um, that's our hope. And so hopefully that's we get to that point too. for sure. Yeah, nice. exactly, exactly. No, well, actually on that question, I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, do, we, do we know if there's going to be some kind of a Midgard API endpoint that can provide like a seven day or X number of block estimate on yield. Many protocols do provide something that lets you easily estimate the yield that you'd be getting. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely take that into account. I mean, I think that there's going to need to be some changes to Midgard um, for the protocol and liquidity and single-sided liquidity stuff. So we'll definitely get in touch with you guys and, and validate that with you um, before those changes get made finalized. Okay, cool. I just want to give hats off again to your team over at Nine Realms. Super helpful, super responsive. We definitely couldn't have done it without you guys. So uh, uh, thanks so much for the time you guys put in. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much. And we're, we're really looking forward to exploring you know, all the new products and, and, and chains and everything that get added to ThorChain over the next you know, six to 12 months. So super exciting times ahead and, and, and really great to be working with you know, driven and motivated teams like yours. Yep, same here. Well, I'm going to drop now, but I'm going to keep listening. <laughs> sweet, sweet. Um, yeah, so Paul, if you need to drop off at any time, just, just let us know. Um, totally, totally cool. If anyone else has questions, uh, for sure, uh, you know, hit the request button and, and come up if Paul has some time. Uh, but just like go back to the, the, what we were just talking about with uh, with just the the ux and like showing yield and things like that that is available on on midgard for the current uh lps and we just kind of did a rework on it a, a couple months ago and it, it's not difficult from the ux perspective like as in like oh you see like the you know it it, it the uh the api looks at the last x number of days and then extrapolates a uh you know, what a user would earn in a year if that performance was continued over a year. And while that's not like a UX challenge to display that number, um, it is for the user's understanding of that number because every protocol likely does things slightly differently in their in their calculation. 
and exactly what data they're looking at and how they extrapolate performance going forward. Because what you're looking at within, a, within APR is really just past performance, right? It's not, it, that's, that's not the, the future performance. It's the, hey, if, if, this, if this past performance is repeated over the next year, then this is what um, you know, the performance of the pool would be. So while it's not like a complicated challenge to figure that out, it, it's a complicated challenge for users to understand exactly like, what the actual yield is of the pool because if you take a 30-day sample of the la- of what the yield was last 30 days versus the last 180 days you know th- this could be very 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 different uh when you extrapolate out you know especially short time frames to long time frames you're right and i think this is similar to just people getting into crypto that are trade like, like hey what is the 90-day performance of an asset and the one-year performance of an asset it's similar with apr Although APR, I think, tends to be more stable in that sense, especially as the protocol starts to mature and you have a more set amount of liquidity and a set amount of volume. Right? You're not dealing with the volatility of, of asset price. Um, but I think it's not too difficult to present to the user. You just make it clear, like, this APR, this is a seven-day historical average APR. And you make that really clear. Now, that's a little different than what people would be getting when they go to a bank, because that's the bank is pro- providing the APR that they are going to be getting for at least the next, say, three months, a year, and it could change going forward. So they're actually providing their future APR, although it might still change. Whereas here, you're, you're right, we're providing the historical previous APR, and it's already changing, but you're having to make a decision on, on previous performance, you know, and there's no promises afterwards. So yes, it's a little bit different, and hopefully people accept that, and as things mature, protocols mature, past will more closely mirror future. Yep, yep. Oh, cool. And uh, yeah, let me just, so there's no one else that's requested. Let me just ask one last question then. Uh, where, where can sure. users provide feedback on the, the integration or is there anything else they see in, in Edge Wallet? And, and also, like, is, um, where, where can they go to download Edge Wallet? If you want to plug yeah, all that. For sure. If you want to download Edge, just head, head to our website. That's really the best place. Um, edge.app. Make sure you don't, you're not downloading a, a scam version of the app, which you know we know in the crypto world, copycats of various apps do show up. So edge.app, simple as that. It'll give you links straight to the Play Store, to the App Store, Apple App Store, as well as a direct download APK. For those of you that don't want to run Google on their phone, on their Android device, you can do a direct download as well. Um, and then from there, you can catch, uh, catch us on all the different channels uh we don't have a telegram channel but we are on discord active on twitter as well at edgewall and myself at pollinator so you'll find all the different ways you can contact us as far as sending feedback any of those channels work or you can send a support ticket support at edge.app um one little nugget we are big on support we really want to support the user base um i think we're one of the only um companies that provides phone support unpaid you don't have to pay for the support so uh, during Pacific Time business hours, you know about nine to five Pacific Time, you can actually give us a call, and if we don't answer, we'll call you right back. And if you happen to be in San Diego, which a little announcement for anyone that is near the Southern California area, we do have the Thorchain team coming and presenting at the San Diego Bitcoin Meetup in person in a couple of weeks, I think, October twentieth, I believe, maybe a little 25th, before the twenty. The 25th? Yeah, I believe it's around that, that time. That sounds right so, to me. Yeah. Around there. So uh, um, check it out on meetup.com to search for uh, Bitcoin and open blockchain in San Diego for when the Thorchain team's coming out. And that's actually going to be in our office. We host the meetups. We're big on community. And at our office, people actually find um, right downstairs from our office is a great cafe. We do in-person support for anyone local. It's a small time window, admittedly. It's only uh, a couple hours a week um, on Thursday mornings, uh, 930 to 1130. But you get a chance to speak with a person live help you out with any issues you might be having with edge or crypto in general 
So edge.app is the recap. You can find us on all the different channels through that, through our website and download the app. Hey, uh, we have Z- uh, Zab up here. Hey, Zab. Sure. Hey, guys. How are you? Thanks for bringing me up. Uh, so not going to be a uh, uh, the usual uh, pitch. Um, wanted to actually ask, Paul, I, I came in a little bit late, uh, but I, I think I, I caught it around a time when you were talking about some of the swaps within Edge Wallet, um, so what you see a lot of. And I think you had mentioned uh, Monero uh, as being one that, that gets a lot of attention. Yeah. Was that correct or did I hear that incorrectly? No, that is correct. Yeah. Being one of the earliest apps to support Monero, uh, we do have a good a good sizable Monero user base. And so that is like number two or number three in volume of uh, swaps in our app. So from, from a theoretical perspective, uh, you know, one day when, uh, you know, we start to see some privacy chains on, on Thor chain like Haven or Monero, um, I guess equating it from what you see within your app, what do you think that that could bring to their ecosystem, um, you know, with, with the swaps behind the scenes? Bring to the ecosystem of the protocol itself? If, for example, ThorChain was to integrate a privacy chain. Uh, hard to measure that. All I know is that that seems like a perfect fit, and I'm sure the ecosystem would help. It would drive much more usability to be able to get to get those assets. Because right now, that's one of the biggest challenges. People say, how do I get the asset? How do I get the asset? How do I get the asset? Um, that's kind of gone down in the sense that at least we are able to get, like for example, Bitcoin and swap it into Monero and Zcash using some providers. I know that it's very, very limited. So one asset, so Monero is decently well supported in Edge. So we're ThorChain would be more competing on price. One asset that is horribly supported and does have a decent demand, especially within our user base, is Zcash. So being able to support Zcash right now is only supported with one swap provider in Edge that does not support the US. So that gives you an idea of you know like how lightly supported it is, but how big of a community you're potentially going to um, service if we're able to support Zcash specifically. Other privacy protocols, they don't quite know yet. Um, we haven't integrated other ones yet, but we are looking at various different protocols. So know that there's there's definitely a demand waiting in the wings um, because of lack of support for what are relatively you know good sized chains. And and then think about like the you know looking at the the theoretical um, you know or philo- philosophical perspective of single sided yield on potentially a privacy chain, uh, you know, gaining oh, wow. yield yeah. in private. You know, I mean that's uh, yeah, that's, that's a whole other thing to think about. And there's not really any options for that. Like um, if you had Zcash, there's really no way for you to earn yield on it. I know that they're looking at um, moving to proof of stake. That would be one opportunity to earn yield, but for now there isn't. And then Monero is still proof of work. There's no way to earn yield on your Monero that I'm aware of other than really selling it for something else. So I think that is a game changer. You brought it up. I didn't even cross my mind. Really awesome point and excited to be able to provide that for the people who do care about privacy and can still earn yield and not have to trust a counterparty. All of them, killer, killer use cases for ThorChain. And then, uh, so one last thing, would love to one day, got to say, would love to one day see Haven on Edge Wallet. Uh, I, I don't know if you've heard of Haven before, built uh, with Monero uh-huh. Codebase. That's also got the StableX assets. Um, yep. Still being worked on, always worked on, but would love to be on there. It has crossed our, our path in the past. Um, haven't got the integration yet. I know it is a challenge. Privacy coins are, are the hardest by far, easily 10 times harder to integrate than um, kind of in the clear transparent assets. It's that we've been willing to go through the hoops of doing anyway because we're so aligned with the mission of privacy coins. Um, but they are challenging. And usually we need a significant amount of software tooling help from those protocols and so my understanding we don't quite have that with haven i could be wrong and it could have been old news that i've got i haven't touched base with the haven team in a long time but to understand though some of that tooling isn't ready yet isn't there that was that caused a lot of the delays in us getting zcash integrated we i talked to zcash like four years ago if not five years ago um 
and they didn't quite have the tooling ready. And that's stuff that, you know, we just don't have that expertise, like writing zero knowledge proof, fancy math, you know, Rust code, it's not in our, in our wheelhouse. So we need a, a bit of help there before we can get that integrated. Same thing with uh, Haven. But definitely, if, if they've got some stuff, put me in touch with them and happy to evaluate uh, further integration. Thank you. And I'll say goodbye, everybody. Paul, thanks for talking to me and uh, channeling my best uh, Jim Carrey. So you're saying there's a chance. See you later, guys. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Take care. Cool. Sweet. Thanks, man. Let's do uh, one last question with uh, with Janky and who does also come back up for a second. But all right. Yeah, let's uh, let's hear Janky's question real quick. Hi, guys. Are you hearing me? Yeah, loud and clear. Yep. I'm really happy to uh, see this integration. Uh, I have one simple question. Does Edge Wallet uh, take some swap fee on uh, the UI? Um, yeah, simple. We're really straightforward. You can see it on chain. We take um, po- uh, 50 basis points across all of the, the different swap providers. So that way, all of the swap providers really kind of competing on equal footing. So yeah, 50 basis points on all of the swaps. Okay, thanks. That's it. Yep. Cool. Hey, Pluto. All right. Yeah, if you if, if we were going to wrap up that portion, I, I'll just give a quick update on the um, on the network issues right now. If everyone wants to talk about that boohoo network issues, yeah, this was a this was a bit of a doozy. We so we were in the one point nine seven update, um, making an upgrade to the peer to peer library that we use for TSS, um, and so we tested that pretty rigorously. Um, but uh, you know, it turned out that like the test environment that we were doing. Um, our testing and load testing didn't have, you know, basically the same scale as mainnet, which it's pretty expensive to like run, <laughs> to like run an experiment on like another mainnet. Um, but I think this like finally kind of solidifies our need for uh, for a testing environment like that. But anyway, we um, we ran into these issues where we put we basically just put out a um, an upgrade to or rather a downgrade to go back to the old version of the peer-to-peer library that we were using. Um, so we should, ex- we're seeing that even with like a, a minority, 33 about, 33 some odd um, validators have already upgraded to the, the latest version. And it's, and we're already starting to see the queues start to come down. So I do, I do apologize to Edge Wallet and to all the wallet integrators and, 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 you know, ThorSwap and all the UIs um, for this sort of, you know, semi-abrupt halt in in trading. But um, we we had a pretty big growing uh, TSS queue. And for a while, it looked like, um, you know, we thought that if all of the validators had updated to the latest version that, you know, things would resume again. Um, But, you know, that ended up not happening as, as uh, as the TSS outbounds continued to slow down. So, um, we learned a pretty important lesson here, but we're hoping to keep the downtime minimalized on this um, on this incident. So I, I, I'm estimating. I think that we'll be cleared through the the full outbound queue in probably like six to eight hours. Um, so we should be able to resume uh, trading, you know, sometime later today. Cool. Thanks for the update. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Pluto, and uh, thank you, Paul, for coming on. Uh, no problem. Great, great integration with Edge Wallet, and we're really looking forward to seeing, you know, how else Edge and Thorchain can, uh, you know, work together to to bring great products out uh, to to all the good people out there. So, uh, th- thank you so much for supporting this integration, I and mean, you guys did an amazing job. And I know, like the, the Nine Realms team is, you know, super happy with the way that everything turned out, and you know, looking forward to 
the, the next steps and making this uh, just a really great offering for Edge and Edge's users. So th- thank you. Th- thanks for coming up. Uh, and hey, if you ever want to come up on one of these spaces again, we're, we're always uh, we're always open to have mm-hmm. you. Thanks for being part of the community. Thank you for having me. Uh, definitely look forward to future spaces, especially with some announcements of maybe future integrations of ThorChain's functionality. So thanks, everyone. Thanks to the community. Take care. Thanks, everyone. Good to meet you, Paul. Sweet. All right. Catch you next week.